there's going to be negativity all around you. Um, there's going to be opposition in everything, even the good things. There's going to be opposition, especially sometimes the good things. Just find the good and, and don't give up. Just persevere despite what anyone says, despite what, what you're feeling your ability is. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. If it's a good cause, if it's something you care deeply about, fight for it. This is Jeff Burningham. Thank you for joining us for the Us Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest that I'm excited about. And here's the purpose of the podcast. What can we learn from each other? How do we make a difference? A hundred percent of us are flawed, but I believe that like 99.3% or thereabouts, you know, give or take, are really good and try to do their best. No matter our differences, I believe that we are all a lot more alike than we often realize. A goal of this podcast is to elicit more compassion and less comparing to those around us. Another is to eradicate fear. We often let mistakes of the past and concern for an unknown future destroy our happiness and stunt our progress moving forward. These are the stories of people you may or may not have heard of that will change your life for the better. Today, I'm excited to welcome Kara Berkland onto the podcast. Let me tell you about my experience with Kara. I met her as I was running for governor here in the state of Utah. One of, if not the first political events that I went to, Sally and I walk in, new to politics, new to these events, and there is Kara, this sweet person on what are those called? Like you had your foot on a roller thing, didn't you? Like, is, am I making that up or did you have crutches what did you have i don't i honestly so i had a walker at one point i had a cane i'm not sure which which event i was thinking of it it was in logan or up near you anyways i see you hobbling around a little bit you're young (laughs) but and you're serving everyone right like you're putting setting up chairs and doing all these little things that make things happen and make things run but it was obvious that you were injured somehow and i'd like to talk a little bit about that um that's where I first met Kara, and I was impressed with you from the very beginning. And uh, since then, we've become good friends. Uh, Kara is a mother. She lives in one of the most beautiful places in Utah. She has six children, and uh, she's a state legislator. She was not when I met her, but she is now. So today, Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Yeah, it's about us. We're talking about us. And I want to highlight stories from people in Utah that are doing good. And you certainly fit into that category. So let me ask you. So you were there, wherever it was, whether it was Logan or Ogden. How, how many political events do you think you've you went to with crutches or a walker or whatever? Way too many. Yeah, what, would you, what would you guess to me? I would guess probably 30. 30. Upwards of 30. Why were you there? Why were you doing that? Even though, again, busy mother of six, um, you're obviously injured or were struggling a little bit at that time, but you were still there. Like I said, I can remember you setting up chairs, helping set up tables. I just felt like I wanted to help you, you know, and like that you were doing something great, even though it was little, you know? Well, and it'll depend on if I was there when I was the vice chair of the Utah Republican Party, maybe I was setting up for the event because we were supposed to be helping with it or what, you know, whatever. Politics is important to me, not because 
politics is important, but policy and people are important to me. Mm-hmm. And we've you have to show up. You have to just make sure it happens. Yeah. So was it out of a sense of duty mainly? I mean, you were obviously the vice chair of the Republican Party. For those that don't know, there's a chairman of the party. There's a vice chair. Kara was that when we first met 18 months or two years ago. Um, was it out of duty or love or, you know, like? Oh, I it, it would certainly have to be out of love because <laughs> duty doesn't get going to get me very far in life because there's just too many responsibilities out there. Um, honestly, and that might sound funny to say, but it's not duty because my first duty is to God and then my family. And if it's pulling away from my family, it's got to be something I love and care a lot about. Yeah. That's, I think that love's the only like motivating factor that lasts. Mm -hmm. We use a lot of things in our everyday life in our, in the culture here in our state, maybe in, you know, to, to motivate, but love is really the only motivating factor that I think pulls you through. And so what, okay. I, I don't know exactly what was wrong with your foot or your leg. Cause I know you, so here, here to, to bring the story full, full circle. So that's where I met Kara two years ago. She's hobbling around and still serving people, which was so inspiring to me. Then a month ago, I see you the last time that before we were this and she, Kara is refing my son, who's a 16 year old, played in the state championship. This is a very good AAU basketball team. Kara is running up and down with these rowdy 16 year old boys refing their summer league basketball game. Uh, that's my, that is that is my absolute love over politics. It's absolutely refing basketball and being involved in basketball. So I had um, a herniated disc for the last, I don't know, 12 years. And I just let it get worse and worse and worse until it finally one day just popped into my spinal cord and I had emergency surgery and I had a lot of spinal cord damage um, due to it. Oh, my gosh. And and then that affected your leg and your mm-hmm. ability to walk? Right. Yeah. So I had to I'm actually paralyzed in multiple places, um, incomplete paralyzation, to be perfectly correct. Um, I don't have a lot of feeling in my feet, only about 10 percent feeling in my feet and calves and things like that. Um Still now to this Still day. Still to this day. Yeah. So how do you run up and down with these 16-year-old basketball players that are like in their physical pr- – <laughs> like my son is like a specimen right now. You know, you go through that age of time where just like you can eat anything and you still just are – so how do you do that? Yeah. So it's taken a lot of physical therapy and a lot of work. Um, the surgery definitely helped. They took everything out of my spinal cord, which helped with a lot of the pressure. But the damage to the nerves is still there. It took about a year to figure out how to run. Again, I had weights on my ankles for the first year after the surgery um, just just to run. Because so that you could know. like feel them? Mm-hmm. Or? And then yeah. so I, I do ref football, high school football, and on the field because it's grass and it's not – Flat, I do still have to wear the weights, but in a gym, I walk in. The very first thing I do is survey the ground. Okay, this floor looks solid, straight. I know how to. I know how to run on flat surfaces, and so you know it's the muscle memory. Your body just takes over. Hmm. But you can't really feel it as mm-hmm. much. No, which is fantastic. So I can work, you know, nine, ten, twelve games in a day if I really wanted to. And other people are like, "Oh, my feet are killing me." And I'm like, Psh, "Not my problem." <laughs> So you love refing even more than you love. So what, what is that? Where does that come? Did you play sports growing up? I or? did. I played basketball, but I was pretty terrible. I really mm-hmm. wasn't athletic. My family's pretty athletic. My brothers and dad, they're all 6'6", six, six, um, very athletic. My dad played at BYU um, a little mm-hmm. bit anyway, back when Danny Age was there. And we just grew up. So I grew up homeschooled. And, um, in, in, in Montana. Montana? Yeah. yeah and, okay. and New York. We lived in New York for a stint. Where in New York? Syracuse, Cicero. Okay. And so 
basketball was huge in my family because I had three older brothers who all played and my dad, you know, was into it. And so I grew up watching college basketball, NBA, my brothers play. They like we traveled as a family all across the nation following their basketball team. So it's just it's something I grew to really love. When and, did you start refing? Oh, it was about four years ago. And is it so that you can be close to the game? Is that right? Well, and it's an ability to be close to the game. You get paid to work out. It's yeah. you know smart as a part time you know side job. If I could go back in time, and this is my advice to every like high schooler and college student, I'm like, go find a sport that you like and officiate because it is the dream side job. You know, it's minimum of like $25 an hour. You get to set your schedule. You can, you know, it, it's just a fantastic way to be involved yeah. and make some money. That's awesome. You seem like you want to be really involved and, in, you know, you're refing, you're involved in politics. Is this how you've always been or? Yeah, I, I think so. And I get questions like this a lot. And it, it was only recently that I kind of figured out why. It might not be the healthiest reason why, but the thing was I was homeschooled and I was mocked and I was made fun of a ton because, you know, this was back 20 years ago um, plus, you know, I'm 37. It was a long time ago when homeschooling was really weird and mm. really dumb and people just thought you weren't going to become anything. And so it's almost to me, and I, I got to be careful of it, I want to prove to myself and others that I can go out and do things and be something and accomplish things and, and provide something to the outside world. Yeah. Well, you've certainly done that and more. You have a beautiful family. Thank you. And, and they're a little diverse. Tell yeah. us a little bit about your, I know your husband's name is Lars. Tell us a little bit about your children or your family, how it came to be or and how you met Lars or whatever. Okay. So Lars and I met through a blind date. At, he was playing baseball at BYU and um, he was in California for a summer league. And he was there when a missionary from my hometown was there. And they met, and he's like, you got to take care of this girl when, when you go back to BYU because she'll be there. Keep an eye on her for me. And so he did. He reached out. We went on our first date, which it's not really a blind date because I had seen a picture of him. But um, we went on a date, and then three months later, when I was 18 still, we were married. Wow. So we have four kids that are biological. We do have our fifth child we adopted through foster care. He's amazing so he was two when he came into our home and then we have a six-year-old right now and he's not officially ours um we're hoping to make that official we've been taking care of him next month will be three years he's been living with us wow that's, so four children biological mm -hmm. one adopted mm -hmm. and is he where where does he where's he from or how did so he's from ogden so his he is biracial his dad is is black um and his mom is white and he's He's hilarious and he's yeah. strong and he's he has a probably, sweet haircut. Oh yeah, always. like straight up, kind of from what I remember. <laughs> he's going to be our most athletic child, but I like to claim that. And whenever people ask, oh, that comes from my side. That's, <laughs> That's for it. me. Um, but he's he's great, and he's yeah. His family's from Ogden. He's got family in Texas, and his family in Texas, his his dad's birth family, the greatest people we've ever met in our lives. They're That's awesome. awesome. So was that a hard decision to decide to adopt and, or, you know, like tell those that are listening, like, no, so we couldn't have any kids after the fourth. I had a lot of um, problems with our pregnancies. And so after our fourth, the doctor's like, you're done. Actually, the fourth actually almost killed me. So we had to decide whether we, that, that we were told to abort, but we went through with it mm -hmm. and delivered her and she's amazing and she's tiny, but man, she's got a lot of spirit. And so we were going to adopt, and let's be honest, adoption's so expensive. And we went to LDS Family Services several times. We're like, "Come on, can we like help us get a placement?" And they finally just were super honest and said, 
no one's going to give their child up to you. Like these are 16, 17 year old girls most of the time. And they're going to see a family with four kids and think, yeah, my kid's not going to live there. Like they want their child to be spoiled and loved and be the only child. You've got four already. It's just not going to happen. Go try foster care. So we did. <laughs> and then we that's did. led. To- yeah. We we were foster parents for about six years. I think we had over a dozen different placements, lots of great kids. Um, just the, the one that we adopted through foster care, but lots of kids that we still See, even back two weeks ago, we had um, two little girls that were our foster kids. They stayed with us for a week and a half and great family. They got to go back home to their parents and some really neat things have happened through foster care. With this biracial son, has any of this, what is this Black Lives Matter, the movement that obviously the terrible things we've seen happening in our country, the divide and and violence that is senseless. um, I, I don't know. Does that resonate with you in a different way, maybe as a mother uh, to a biracial child, or I, I, I don't know. How, what are your thoughts about that? Definitely. So not only is he biracial, um, he also has fetal alcohol syndrome. And so he doesn't think things through the same way that me or, or our biological kids do. He's got a little bit of a, a different way of coping and handling things. And so honestly, to be totally honest, it scares me to death to think that he might get pulled over in a car one day because the way that you expect people to react, he's not going to react that way. I remember the um, very first time we took him to the swimming pool. He was two years old, didn't know how to swim. He saw the water and he just dove right in. No life jacket. Oh. That's kind of his attitude is yeah. he doesn't understand consequences <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. And that can be said of kids without fetal alcohol syndrome, but it's certainly, certainly him. Like there's consequences. They're hard for him to understand. Yeah. Um, let's just say that. And so I have you talked to me. him about have you talked to him about it? So yeah, so how is this talking, you know, to So my kids have TikTok. Yeah. Against my better judgment. <laughs> um they do have TikTok because they swore they would give up Snapchat and everything else if they could just keep TikTok because that's the new thing. So right? that was the trade. Right. Everything and else so, for TikTok. And they went in. Yeah. All in on TikTok. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Okay. So I hope the government bans it, frankly. But <laughs> Uh, they they were watching all of the protests and all this violence around George Floyd, and, and they knew about it. I was like, oh, no, like, we don't watch the news. How do you guys know about it? We saw it on TikTok. So I took him down to the protests at the Capitol because I thought, well, if you're going to know in your mind, air quotations there, know about what's going on, then you're going to actually see it and know it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are sensitive to it. We do have family that is is black, and they've talked openly with us about you know, their concerns and how they feel like they've been targeted for driving while black and those types of things. They, it it matters to us because we see it. We've dealt with it a little bit, even with our son, just some of the comments people make at school or at church or things yeah. where just they're not aware yeah. of that. It's, it's not okay to judge him by his skin color. And yeah. yet they do it for better or worse. Right. Yeah. So we took him down to the Capitol um, and it, Freaked them out. They thought it was cool and funny to talk about because it's on TikTok. And they get to the Capitol and they see it was just so hateful. It was just so ugly. And the girls started crying. And my son was just like, no, no, this is this is not for me. And um, we saw the police just getting screamed at. And they were the officers were doing nothing but standing there. And, you know, people were screaming at them. And and honestly, it was funny because the majority of the people that weren't even black. Yeah. I was like, why, why are you screaming about? What oppression are you? Like, I get standing up for 
racial injustice and racism, like stand up for it. But why are you a little white girl screaming in an officer's face, telling him he's racist when you don't even know him? And certainly you personally haven't experienced that same level of racism that you're screaming about. It just, it didn't fit. It just, my kids were like super uncomfortable with it and they were actually more confused by it. Um, So we got in the car and we called Nana. She's, she's Noah's biological grandma. Just, if you can picture the nicest, sweetest, funniest woman who who has some real stories about what racism really is and how ugly um, it was, you know, 60 years ago. Like, she's the woman to talk to. And, and she she gave us a good talking to about what what it really needs to be happening right now. And she's like, and it's not the hate. It's not the protest. It's not the, the ugliness. It's not the violence. It's just people need to reach out to each other. Yeah. They need to have dialogue. They need to communicate and stand up for each other. Do you feel like Noah's internalized some of this or is he working through it? Or I think he has um, the best that he can at 12. You know, yeah. I think he ha- is. But I think more important to Lars and I is that he knows that these conversations are welcome in our home. Yeah. His thoughts, his feelings, his, you know, his curiosity. We yeah. want to talk about it. And we want to understand it. And we want to work through it together. That is so awesome. There's another thing I admire you about you. It's like unbelievable. So you're 37 years old. You've it's like you've lived a lifetime of experiences. <laughs> Who cares about being homeschooled? You know, you're now a state legislator. You're a mom. You've adopted children. You've fostered children. You're refing games. You're like doing so much. What do you sum up? What's your life takeaway so far at 37? Like, what are some of your key takeaways of life? What have you learned? What are some of your key principles that guide you or whatever thoughts you have about your vast life experience, even at this young age? Well, I think what my biggest takeaway, and I always try to apply to every situation, good or bad, is find the good. Like, there's going to be negativity all around you. Um, there's going to be opposition in everything, even the good things. There's going to be opposition, especially sometimes the good things. Just find the good and and don't give up. Just persevere despite what anyone says, despite what what you're feeling your ability is. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. If it's a good cause, if it's something you care deeply about, fight for it. I love that. Find the good. How do you apply that? So you're in politics now. You are a state legislature, a legislator, excuse me. You took, I think, Logan Wild's spot, who was appointed by Governor Herbert into some position, which I don't know. How, how do you apply that, do you think, as a politician or as a state legislator? How, how can we look for the good in politics these days? Mm-hmm. Like we talk about division, racial, racial injustice, of course. But, man, we are so divided in politics. And uh, I've never been a big fan of social media. I just haven't – I'm not that good at it and I haven't invested much time in it. But I'll be honest, there came a point in my campaign the last month or two where I was just done with social media. Like it's just so divisive and tears you down so much. How can you apply that as a state legislator? I'm curious. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I think, like you said, it's divisive. It's ugly. Everyone has an opinion of you when they don't even know you. They instantly develop an opinion of your scenario without any inside knowledge. And I think that's what I'm going to strive to do is understand the truth behind things. Um, you know, I opened a bill file to deal with excessive use of force. And I was super gung-ho excited, like, I'm going to, this. we need this reform. And then I realized, you know what, I got caught up in all that emotion too. I need to understand this better. Mm-hmm. I need to know what it's like for an officer before I run this. And so I've done a ride-along. I've gone and, gone and done the um, some training, some de-escalation training, and I've got another ride-along tomorrow because I 
I want to know the truth, right? I got to look for the truth and and find the good things that we're doing so that we can just get better on top of the good, right? Instead of just looking at the negative. Um, and I think, yeah, just just trying to find the right balance and not worrying about the politics. I, I agree. I, I like that. But gosh, it sure seems for my run for government, like politics is not set up for that right now. Like mm-hmm. it is. And, and the way that social media works in this, I'll say, TikTok world, <laughs> um, like it's small sound bites and it's like small impressions. And so it's a, it seems to me that politics has become all about impression management. That's always been important. But you see when things are going well, the politicians are there. When things are not well, the politicians are not there. And so I just wonder if we're set up to do – I love the kind of hard background work that you're doing. Most of our state legislators do that. People do not understand how much time – this is a sacrifice to be a state legislator, to put in the time behind the scenes that people do so that they can be informed and try to make a change. But it seems like that's not what's rewarded in like today's climate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, or, I, or push back. I don't know. And I agree with that to a point. Um, it's not it's not what's rewarded outside. Right. It's not it's not what you're going to see on all over Facebook necessarily. And and honestly, I don't think we want to see it all over Facebook. I I'm working right now with a with a woman who has had some serious injustices happen as a foster which she had her kids in foster care. Okay, and I, I want to be sensitive of her situation, but what happened to her with DCFS was just straight up wrong. And I don't need the world to know her details, story yeah. or what I'm doing, but I need to know personally that I'm doing something to fix this down the road. And I think I think there's a lot of that happening in politics. And we might not be hearing about it and seeing it, but who cares? That's what has to happen. And you just have to keep doing what's right no matter what. Everybody loves the the notoriety, but at the end of the day, the people that get the notoriety and are on the outside just only doing it for that, they don't last long. Yeah. And there really isn't a ton of notoriety, right? I mean, like a lot of our legislators are working and toiling in relative obscurity in some form mm-hmm. or fashion. It's kind of like cool for like the day or the week, and then it's all hard work, you know, right. after that. Yeah. What would people be surprised? Obviously, you've just been in a couple months or whatever, but I don't know. What, what's what been your takeaway so far as a new state legislator? Like what would people be surprised about good and or bad about our legislature, about the things they're working on, about the people that are there? I don't know. What are your takeaways? You know, it's a, it's a really tight-knit community, and I didn't realize that. Like they really look after each other. And it's funny because, okay, in the Republican Party, there's a lot of diversity, like just angst towards each other and fighting, and they just don't get along. If you've been to an SEC meeting, they don't get along, right? But <laughs> They try a little bit, but honestly, within the House chambers, at least, like you disagree, you know, on the issues, but you walk over to each other and just talk and laugh like you didn't just have a fight on the floor over a bill and whether you support it or not. It's it's actually that's what I love about it is it's not it personal. Sticks it sticks to like. the policies, yeah. mm-hmm. the politics. I that's party stuff, right? Yeah. The policies, people are strong and, and care a lot about their policies and, and their what their passion is. Yeah. But then they can just still work side by side with someone that they just voted against, right? Um, I love that. I think people would be surprised to know that the Republicans and Democrats, they talk and get along as if they're all great friends. Like when you're there, you kind of don't look at each other as Republican and Democrats. I'll be, I'll be honest, this last special session, I voted along the lines of the Democrats 
just as much as I did with the Republicans when it came to extending like the governor's emergency powers. It was me and, you know, a lot of Democrats and some other Republicans, but the vast majority of Republicans voted for yeah. extending it. Right. And so I love that you'd say that these are the kind of politicians we need people that would just speak the truth and that will just vote their conscience. Right. And right. do the right thing. Not necessarily just stick with their team. Right. Even if their team isn't in the best spot. Right. I mean, you just you just have to vote for what you believe is what you is representative of your district, what the people would want, and still falls in line with your conscience so you can go to bed at night being okay with what you've chosen to do. Um, but, yeah, definitely. So I, that's what I think people don't know and would be think is interesting. And some might hate that and think, no, we need more hard lines. You're not buddies with them. They want to create a socialistic society. Well, no, yeah. that's my biggest pet peeve with politics is if we don't sit down and talk to each other. Well, again, I think this is another media narrative, right? Like media thrives. Media is a business. They want to sell to eyeballs and controversy sells, yeah. like uh, contention sells. And so, you know, all, there are certainly disagreements and valid disagreements between the two parties. But I think that is, you know, worked up amongst the media. And it's certainly the narrative on social media and in our regular news sources. Um, and it's just such a bummer. Isn't it like it just can tear you down? So for our listeners that are listening to you, you sound like Superwoman because you've done check, 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 check. But like what is what have you struggled with? What's been one of your biggest struggles in life? How have you overcome it? What inspiration can you give to our listeners? Obviously, life isn't a straight road up and up and up. And um, obviously, you've you've spoke a little bit about some health challenges. I don't know. What what do you feel like you faced and overcome? So. So for those that don't know, Jeff sent me a, a few questions that he might ask ahead of time. And when I read that question, I started to sweat. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of like we're sweating in this little room right, right. now. Yeah, just- I just thought, because honestly, I, I, I'm like, how do I pick just one? And that, I don't mean to sound like to exaggerate, but I've, I've, I feel like I've had so many, honestly, that I was like, how do I pick one? And which one should I talk about um, without sounding ridiculous but um <laughs> i think honest for me to be totally honest and vulnerable and and um so it was last year in february in 2019 i did have uh the surgery and it left me paralyzed for a while from the waist down and when i first got out of the hospital bed and i was freaking out because they're like get up and walk i'm like i can't i can't and i was there by myself and you know then all the doctors come rushing in and they're like oh my gosh you're you know, paralyzed and you're going to be using a walker or a wheelchair for the rest of your life. And they were just telling me all these things. I was panicked because um, a lot of people don't know that at that time, my husband was struggling with some of his own health issues. And I was the primary provider for our family and had been for a couple of years. And so I I just was so scared. Like, how are we going to make this work? And, and, you know, it's worked out. Physically, it's worked out, but it was it was a hard 2019. As bad as 2020 sucks, 2019 was an extremely difficult year for us. Um, it was very hard as my husband dealt with the stress of now, like what he was personally dealing with. And now on top of that, what now I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. how to make it all work. It was hard on our marriage. Um, it was just a very difficult time. But kind of going back to what I said in the beginning is if it's worth, if you believe in it, you just fight for it and you just do what's right. And you just, you don't give in and you find the good. And that's what we did. And, and I'll, I'll speak 
frankly here, I, I had to go to therapy and yeah. I have a therapist that I love who's helped me kind of come to terms with a lot of what I've been through. And I'm grateful for that. Um, but you just keep working and you keep trying and, and nobody is free from having struggles or trials in our life. That's for sure. You know, sometimes it's so easy to look from the outside and see what we think is like picture perfect. And obviously social media, I don't think helps with this. But when you get to know someone uh, more deeply, you understand that they struggle and we often struggle in similar ways. Although we have very unique circumstances, like with your health experience, that's a very unique circumstance. Some of the feelings, some of the struggles and stress that you had health wise, financially, whatever, I can just imagine most of us have felt that at some point in life. Mm -hmm. Most of us or a lot of us will experience something like that. And like I said at the top of the show, the the point of one of the points of this podcast is to quit, you know, creating comparison or as much comparison and to have more compassion. That's something that I think certainly we can work on as a world, as a country and certainly in our state is to have compassion for other people. And uh, we all have struggles like that. And I'm glad that like 2019 was hard. It prepared you maybe for 2020, <laughs> the worst year ever. I was right. just at lunch with a bunch of business guys and they were talking about how like this has been the worst year since Pearl Harbor. Like, you know, the worst, this has been the worst year ever. And just listed off the litany of things. Um, the truth is if you, if you rely on certain principles, stay true to those, keep fighting, like you said, and become resilient um, stay close to those that are most important. I think we can come out on top. So I think that's that's inspiring to me. Um, and knowing what I know of you, like it's just inspiring. So what are you working on now that you're most excited about? Like what's, I know you have a bunch of different projects and different things that you're working on. What are you excited about right now? I'm excited. Right now, I feel like I'm in a unique position to really give people a voice. I I can have people call me or text me or email me and say, I'm having a problem with this issue, that issue, you know, whatever. Can you help me as my representative? And I finally can, you know. And that's what to me being a representative should be is finding solutions for people. And I love that, you know, whether it's the, the woman fighting for um, better justice in the foster care system or whether it's someone who feels like they've been discriminated against, you know, with work. Whatever it is, right? There's a process and there's a way to get this figured out. And if we don't, haven't come up with that process yet, well, let's sit down. Let's talk about it and work it out. I, that's what I'm excited about, actually solving problems and working with people and giving them a voice. That's awesome. How, how could we help you do that? How can people help you do that? They got to speak up. Yeah. Honestly. Everyone so come needs, talk to you. Yeah. Come talk to me. Come share. Like, it's not enough anymore to just sit back and be like, this is wrong. I don't like this. I've experienced this or that. Like, Speak up and share your experiences and, and don't be afraid to put your flaws out there so people can actually help lift you and, and make it better for others down the road. Going back real quick to, to your challenge, which, again, I appreciate your honesty. And um, how, how did you do that? How, how did you because I think that one of the biggest roadblocks is people aren't willing to share like we have this facade of perfection that we feel like we need to hold up. They're not willing to share what they're struggling with. How did you find the courage to do that? Like to reach out, like you said, to a therapist or whatever. Like, I don't know. Do you have any advice from the last year and the challenges that you and your family have faced for people that are struggling now? Like how, how did you find the courage to do that? Um, well, it was really easy for me actually, cause it was, so with my husband, it was kind of to the point where we needed help for him. Um, 
our marriage needed help, but he needed some help. He, and it kind of fell into place. And it, to me, it just kind of goes back to, like, you don't give up. You don't just walk away because it gets hard. You just have to keep finding the right solutions to make it work. Um, and and honestly, not being afraid to to admit your flaws or to say you're struggling, that's the first step. Yeah. That's cool. How how could we help you? How could I help you? How could our listeners, you know, help you? If there's anything that that you're working on and passionate about, like you said, is representing the people as a state legislator, or, you know, maybe this um, foster care system. Like, how how could people listening help you? I think the best thing to do is is to talk, to talk with me, to share your opinions with me, even especially when we don't agree, like share your thoughts and opinions with me. Um, I don't ever want an echo chamber surrounding me. You know, I think um, listen to the other side, come to, you know, come to the table with your thoughts and be ready to hear theirs. And that's for me personally too. don't be too quick to judge. Yeah. My decisions, and but always come and ask me why I chose to vote one way versus another way, or chose to share something. Isn't that know? so refreshing when someone gives you the benefit of the doubt? Right, like that is so rare. It is in our current culture. Like, there's no grace. It's like there's no benefit of the doubt. You know, when I ran for governor, it was like. Oh, there must be all these reasons. No, I ran just because I was wanting to serve. I, I believed in the vision that we had for Utah. But there was all these like second guessings as if there was like something in it for me. And I, I don't know what was in it for me, you know, really. Really. Yeah. Um, just give people the benefit of the doubt. I think that's what you're saying. Absolutely. Like is trust your intentions. Like you voted a certain way or you did this certain thing with good intentions. Now, Give me the benefit of the doubt in that and let me explain my thinking. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We need more of that. I think I think it's social media that everyone wants to be the first one to say, oh, this happened and this person's, you know, now becoming this or that, right? Everyone wants to, it's like we're all journalists somehow because we're on social media. We want to break the story that, you know, <laughs> this person's now a Democrat instead of Republican. Look at her voting record. And, you know, yeah. instead of just saying, wow, that's weird. Why did you choose to do that that way? Yeah. Everyone a journalist, everyone a podcaster. <laughs> We've joined the, I've joined the ranks. Um, I love it. Yeah. I mean, the, the purpose of this podcast is to just try to inspire and uplift, to introduce people here in our great state to people that they wouldn't know, Kara. They, they might not have, I would not have met you, I don't mm-hmm. think, or if I wouldn't know you the way that I do if I hadn't run for governor. And like I said, I was impressed from the first time I met you because you were out there serving, doing the little things, making a difference, even though obviously because of your walker or whatever you had, I don't remember that time, um, it was hard for you to do that. But you were out there doing it and it was inspiring. And there are thousands of Utahns and, you know, millions of people here in the United States doing that every day. We can't forget that. Even though we hear of all these terrible things happening, even though we're bombarded with so many negative messages via media, social media, et cetera, like we've spoken about, we've got to remember that we're in this together. We're journeying together. We struggle together and we rise together. That's my opinion. Right. Oh, I agree. And I love that you're doing this. This is, this is exactly what we need. More conversation, more ability to understand the other people's opinion. I agree. And I ask myself, I don't know how else to do it. Here's one way, a That's podcast. Awesome. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so great to talk to you. 
uh, I think that you'll inspire a ton of people and uh, good luck in the state legislature and with your family and your health. I hope to see you running up and down a basketball court. Keep refing. Thank you. I plan to. Yeah. Is football going to happen this fall? I think it will. Yeah. I hope Gosh, so. I hope it does. I know. I hope it does. And will does. you be out there refing? I will be. Yeah. That's got to be hard on the grass surfaces. Why wear the weights? That's right. All right. Look for the ref with the weights. And that is Kara. <laughs> she is awesome. Go say hi to her. Thanks again, Kara, for coming in. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks, Jeff. This is Jeff Burningham. The podcast is all about us. Today we spoke with state legislature, state legislator Kara Berkland. She is so inspiring. Uh, like I told you, I met her first when she was serving other people, even though it was obvious that she was struggling physically. There are thousands of people all across the state doing little things like Kara. I was amazed at her ability to be a foster parent, to juggle everything that she's doing, her insight with her son about the Black Lives Matter movement, I thought was fascinating. We will bring you more interesting people doing good things here in Utah. You've been listening to the Us Podcast with Jeff Burningham. This episode was produced by me, Michael Jolly theme song by the national parks you can do us a huge favor by leaving a review on apple podcasts also please don't forget to subscribe to the us podcast on apple podcasts spotify or wherever it is you are listening to this